As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome to Autism Live. Yes, once again, we're having some technical things here. But, uh, and I can see Mateo. I didn't mean to have Mateo showing. Anyway, so thrilled to be here. It's, we're going to say it's decorative jewelry. It's a second earring. Good morning. <laughs> welcome. I'm Shannon Penrod. And we're live. We're all the way live to you. It is Monday morning. It's September 26th. 2022. Thrilled to be here with you on this sparkly Monday morning. I love this time of year for so many reasons. It's it's a change in the seasons and it's a change in things. But I got to be honest that it can throw people off. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is a really important subject uh, that has to do with people getting thrown off. Um, so it's really important. And I know a lot of you are going to go, oh, I don't want to hear this talk. And I want to, I want to challenge you that this talk has the ability to help save a life. So whether it's your life, somebody that you love's life, or somebody that you love one of their people that they love, um, it, it has the ability to save a life. So stay with me. We're going to try to mitigate it with lots of fun things to talk about so that it isn't all Debbie Downer. And we've got actual things that you can start doing today that could make a difference because we're talking about water safety today. So everybody keep breathing, keep breathing at all costs, and we'll try to have enough reinforcers for you throughout the show. I want to start by saying that we're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other sites that you can write in. I can't get my chat to work at the moment. So if you're already chatting, um, um, it's going to work before we're done. So please write in uh, because we love to hear that if you're watching live. If you're watching recorded, you can still reach in to us all the time. My email is shannon at autism-live.com. So that's shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N, at autism, which I know you guys know how to spell, hyphen, that's the dash in the middle, live, L-I-V as in Victor E, dot com. And you can write to me. What's great about when you write to me is that then I can write directly back to you and I can respond to you and um, you can, you, there's no limit. You can send me as much as you want to send to me. Whereas when you're doing it on any one of our chats, there's a, there's a character limit, right? I also, there's my email. Traven just put it on the screen. I also want to say that um, you can write into our live well, it's called the chat. It's called the live chat. I don't know why we call it that. It's not really, it's not really all that chat and it's not really all that live. So why, why don't we call it the, the receptacle for things if you need another way to get a hold of me? Uh, it's on our website, uh, but it is called the live chat on the website. It is not interactive. I can't respond back to you when you write to something, but I can see it and I can address it on the show. So there is that for you. We're trying to get that changed on our new website. So things, things to talk about with our web designer. Yeah. Um, but it's another way that you can get in contact with me. And can I be honest, that is where I go to pull our starter questions for Ask Dr. Doreen. So if you have something and you really wanted to get it on her agenda, uh, sometimes you have to send it in more than once because we have a lot of things that come in there. But um, then we try to get it so that she can answer your question. Yeah. 
But I also take those from my email as well. So wonderful. Glad that you guys are here. We are the number one rated autism podcast, and that is entirely because of you guys, because you like us, you share us, you review us. So we ask you to continue doing that. I hope that you know our mission here is to provide information and inspiration. We are, Our mission here is not to uh, have the most views, although we know that when people... Uh, watch our show that they they get that inspiration. So we want to get to those people, but we don't spend our time and our energy and our money in marketing. We hope that you guys will do that for us. So share it with someone, let them know. Otherwise, they won't find us. Um, I still don't have the comments because it's saying that Safari doesn't want to play. So we'll we'll be working on that throughout. I do want to take it just a minute. We were live on Saturday night from for just about an hour, I think we were, from a very important event. We joined the folks at Taka. For the first time ever, we went to their Auntie Up for Autism event. It's a poker tournament, but it's a gala. It was off the chain. Boy, that Lisa Ackerman knows how to throw a party, I'll tell you that. I, I'm still stunned about when she showed me the ballroom, I, we went in and big, big ballroom because the whole thing was sold out and standing room only and amazing because they were raising money for that incredible organization, uh, which I absolutely love. But this border that went around the stage, this arch that went around the stage was the most stunning thing I have ever seen. I said to Lisa that I had just watched uh, over the weekend. I, I went back, I had recorded the Queen's funeral and went back and watched. And was anybody else surprised at how minimal the floral arrangements were for the queens? I now know why, because Lisa had all of the flowers. There weren't any left for the queen because she had all of them. And Lisa had them all in bright red. So there was this arch of just this, I don't know what it was, bougainvillea with red, like globe-sized red roses. The entire place smelled like roses. It was insane. So beautiful. And Lisa looked stunning in this gown that was floral, too. Uh, just absolutely amazing. But it was super fun. We ran into some friends that we already know there, like Holly Robinson Pete. And she's going to come soon to talk about her new book with her son, RJ, called Charlie Makes a Splash, which goes hand in hand with what we're talking about today because it's water, right? Very important book that we're going to be recommending to you to get the, during this holiday season. Uh, but we also also added a new friend, which was, I'm going to get emotional, was a very kind of a big deal to me. I don't know who you guys get excited to meet in life or who's on your list of people that it's like, wow, if I met them, I would be Twitter pated and probably my, I would open my mouth and my brain would fall out, right? There've been a couple of people over the years that I've met that I've just been like, I can't believe I just met that person. And there are people who are still on my list. Oprah, Oprah. If you're listening, Oprah, I would really love to meet Oprah. Um, But, and, you know, I think like David Letterman, and now I'm all about meeting Keith Brimer-Jones, the guy from the Great Pottery Throwdown. Got to meet Keith. But uh, always, always on my list has been Jonathan Sheck. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the name, believe me, when you see his picture, and I think Traven has a picture of the two of us together with me looking stupid, um, he probably looks familiar to you because he's an actor who's been in a lot of different things. The thing that I, there he is, he's just so stunning. Uh, I get a little Twitter painted now too. So I am the biggest fan of the movie That Thing You Do, which was written and directed by Tom Hanks. And it's an amazing movie. If you haven't watched it, you owe it to yourself to watch it. It stands up over time. There are so many of us that just absolutely are gaga over this movie. It's kind of like a Beatles-esque story. It's a group of guys who have a band in Erie, Pennsylvania. They're, they don't really know what they're doing, but they're having fun and they're they're playing in the band, but their drummer gets injured and they have to have somebody else sub in and suddenly they're a hot thing and we watch as they have the number one record 
and then we ultimately get to see what happens to one-hit wonders. And um, Jonathan plays one of the lead characters. He plays the lead singer. He plays the John Lennon role. And he's so good in it. And he's just stunning. And he's that bad boy that all girls love to be in love with, uh, that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be in love with. But he is stunning in this movie. And it's not the only thing that he has done. He's done many, many things. And, um, but it's the one that, you know, there's just that part of you that you just can't let go. And during the pandemic, the four guys who played the four wonders, they got together and did a benefit because the, the guy who wrote most of the, the songs and actually sang most of the songs for, that thing you do died of COVID very early on at a very young age. I don't even think he was 50 and he passed away and it was, it was just what a devastating loss. So they, they did a online thing where a bunch of us screaming idiots got to tune in and watch them watch and comment on the movie with Colin Hanks, who had been a PA on the back, this back when he was a teenager, was a PA on the film. It was amazing, amazing. So getting to meet Jonathan Sheck was on my bucket list. And he is a great friend to Taka. And Lisa had always said to me, come to one of our events and I'll make sure that you get to meet him. But Lisa did me wrong because he walked up to me on the red carpet and with this grin and he goes, I hear you have a crush on me. Nobody wants to meet anybody like that, Lisa. That was, <laughs> was like, I think I even said out loud, I'm going to kill Lisa Ackerman. Uh, and of course I'm not, I hugged her. Uh, but he was so lovely. What a wonderful ally. What a wonderful dad. What an amazing person. And um, I just wanted to thank everybody at Taka. I know that they had a great event and raised a grunch of money. That's a technical term. Um, and uh, just wanted to say thank you to celebrities who take the time to speak out, whether they have someone on the family or not. I know it's a hard thing, but um, because they have their own lives that they're dealing with. And the decision to put yourself in the spotlight and talk about something can be a really difficult thing. So, um, and there's some of the other um, celebrities that we talked to. I think we just saw a picture of Holly. And that is Catherine Morris and one of her twin sons who just really took to the mic. Um, you, you guys know Catherine from Cold Case. And what an amazing mom. She's going to come on and be on the show, and we're going to talk more at length about her journey with twins on the spectrum And because what an amazing mom she is. And, and those boys, like this, this son just decided he, you know, he is about to be somebody who will be in front of the camera, although apparently he has skills behind the camera, but he was loving being on the mic, and he did a good job with it too. So, uh, and I'm just looking going, oh, that's how you do the red carpet. Uh, so anyway, it was a great event. Thank you to Lisa Ackerman for inviting us to come and do a red carpet there. It was super duper fun. And thanks to Traven and Taja for making that uh, a reality for all of us. And bucket list, I got to meet Jonathan Sheck. And maybe there'll be a time when we can have him be on the show uh, here, maybe not in studio, because he uh, he was telling us that he's he lives in Tennessee now and that he's working with Dolly Parton and they're going to do some film production in Tennessee, which is super cool. Okay. So super fun, really. But if you haven't watched that thing you do, you owe it to yourself to watch it. It's, it's the only non-Christmas movie that I watch over and over and over again. If it's on, I'm scrolling through, seeing what's on. It's like, oh, that thing you do is on. I'm going to watch it. If it, if I'm walking through and it's on it, that's it. Everything's over. I sit down and watch it. And there are a couple of times a year where I just go, oh, it's that kind of a day where I'm going to watch that thing you do. I think I'm on my third CD of the soundtrack because I've worn the other two out. I'm just saying, I think I own it on DVD, VHS, and it's on my DVR programmed in case of emergency. There you go. Uh, <laughs> in my top five movies of all time, along with To Kill a Mockingbird and Reds. I'm just saying it's that good. Okay. So, uh, and when you see Jonathan check in it, you'll go, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, million watt smile. All right. Um, uh, what else did I want to talk about? We have a couple of other things because then I want to get into water safety. But um, we, we have a couple of messages for you this morning. Let's, let's start with the one um, from Shapiro Legal Group. And I'm going to take just two seconds on the other end to talk about why I think this is important. So go ahead, take a look at this. 
A recent study funded by the National Institute of Health suggests that there may be a higher risk of autism in children whose mother took the pain reliever acetaminophen during pregnancy. Acetaminophen is the active ingredient in scores of over-the-counter products, including Tylenol, Excedrin, and Robitussin. So if your child was diagnosed with autism and you took any acetaminophen product while pregnant, this commonly recommended over-the-counter medication may be responsible, though additional research is ongoing. If you or a loved one used Tylenol or other medications containing acetaminophen while pregnant and later gave birth to a child diagnosed with autism, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Shapiro Legal Group is now evaluating potential legal claims by parents of autistic children. Call right now to see if you may be entitled to financial compensation. There are time deadlines to file a claim, so don't wait. You can reach Shapiro Legal Group at 888-657-0455. Again, that number is 888-657-0455. You can also contact Shapiro Legal Group by going to shapirolegalgroup.com forward slash autism. Shapiro Legal Group PLLC associates with attorneys throughout the country to help people nationwide and is licensed in New York and Washington, D.C. and has its principal office at 60 East 42nd Street, New York, New York. This ad was read by a non-attorney spokesperson. I just wanted to say this about um, that commercial, that I I mentioned this the other day, that I was the one that reached out to Shapiro Legal Group and uh, said that I thought that they should be here with us talking about this because I think that it's something really important. So I'm the one that started that. Somebody wrote in the other day and said, you know, I've been looking at that and just thinking that it's lawyers trying to take advantage of uh, parents. And, and I want to say to everybody with love, it's really hard to trust. I get it. I totally get it. It's really hard to trust and it's hard to know who to trust. And I just have to say that I did the legwork and there are a lot of different firms that are seeking people for this big, and, and they're all ultimately going to work together, this, this big class action lawsuit. Um, and that when lawyers get involved and it, it feels like, oh, is this people taking advantage? I want to say that more research needs to be done. And the only way that gets done is when we get into discovery and more people become part of the, the case that people come forward and say, well, I had this experience. And even if you are not eligible, and we were talking the other day about how sometimes, you know, there'll be something that disqualifies you. That doesn't mean that, you know, that you're bad or wrong at all. If you're just disqualified, it means because they're going to do a test case first and, and they're building information. That's the, the case where we're, we're at right now is that we need people to come forward, call the number, talk about, see if you qualify. And if you don't, don't feel like it's wasted time, you furthered the conversation. And it might be that later on there'll be a case that would involve you, right? We don't know because it's in the discovery phase and they need people to respond. Now, are lawyers going to get a percentage of whatever they get? Yes. And here's my thing about who do you trust and when do you trust? I like it when everything's transparent, when everybody knows what everybody's motive is. And so here is the point that we're at right now, that because of this study that was done, uh, funded by the National Institutes for Health and done at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, um, because of the findings of that study, there is room now to do this discovery phase. There is room now for lawyers to say, we think that there's something there and, and we want to look at this. So I don't, you know, there is no way that you can be taken advantage of, right? Because it's all apparent and clear. And there is the potential that you can get financial compensation at the end of this, right? Um, but even I would say as important is that they're in this phase of looking at things and seeing what is what, which can only help our community. Whenever somebody says to me, you know, unequivocally, they're like, oh, well, I know for a fact 
that that doesn't have anything to do with anything. I'm always amazed because I go, oh, okay, how would you know for a fact that that doesn't have anything to do with it? Because I've had people who are like, oh, you know, acetaminophen doesn't play a role. Um, I would say to you that the studies suggest something different and we need to know more. When we get into a phase where we say, I'm not curious, I don't want to know more, for me that's fear-based and I like facts. So I hope that if you have kids on the spectrum that you will call that number and see if you qualify to be in the part of asking further questions because I see a benefit of that to the autism community. That's all I wanted to say about that. And I personally have talked to the people at Shapiro. I did that legwork to say, are these people reputable? They are. And um, that's why I'm speaking out about it. So anyway, uh, moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, We have one more commercial for the All Ghouls Gala, but I think we're going to hold off on that until we need a little bit of a treat when things get a little hot here in a couple of minutes because we're going to talk about water safety right now. I still don't have my my comments because Traven's working on that. We have a technical issue, but soon I'll be able to see what you guys are writing in. Uh, And I love to hear what you guys have to say. So keep it coming. Don't give up on me. But we are going to talk about water safety. This is super duper important. And why is it super duper important? Because drowning is the leading cause of death among children with autism spectrum disorder. That's not my opinion. That is, uh, studies have shown this and repeated this. We're quoting the study that was in 2014 from the University of Sciences in Philadelphia. Uh, But the National Autism Association also says that accidental drowning has accounted for approximately 90% of total deaths reported in children with ASD ages 14 and younger during the time period 2009 to 2011. And obviously, you know, we need new data on this, but I would, I, I can tell you, I watch the news. We haven't made the number zero yet. Um, 90% of total deaths were from drowning. And then look at this one. Children with ASD are 160 times more likely to die from drowning than general population of children. And that's a study uh, done in 2016. These are harsh realities. I don't like sharing them with you, but not sharing them with you doesn't change them. So everybody, you know, we have to deal with the feelings surrounding this because I don't know about you, but I feel powerless. It makes me want to weep. It makes me want to put my head in the sand and not look at things. But we can't do that. We have a responsibility to our kiddos to do everything that we can to change the dynamic in our house if nobody else's. So, you know, I love, and I wonder if I'm going to get the ones from before, Traven. Thank you. Um, I, one, of, one of my favorite people on the planet is Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. And one, uh, years ago when he was on the show, he said this and I thought, oh my gosh, this is one of the most powerful things that I've ever heard somebody say. Because our kids don't always have the ability to communicate with us. But he said, what if your child had the ability to look at you and say, the very first opportunity I get, I'm going to run toward water. What would you do to keep them safe? And whatever that is, the thing that you would do in that moment, do that. Do that. If your kiddo could look at you and say, um, you know, like at some point you're going to look away and I'm going to run and I'm going to run directly to water. Like what wouldn't we do, honestly? And so we should take whatever those measures are right now right now. And I know it gets overwhelming, but we're going to break it down for you into a whole set of things. The first thing that I want to say, though, is that it's not, um, it's not a myth that our kids are drawn to water. Now, some of our kids are definitely afraid of water, um, but a lot of our kids, like they're fascinated with it and they want to get in it. And there's a bunch of different reasons why. But water is a sensory thing. 
If you stop and think about it, water, things sound different around water. There, things smell different around water. If you put your feet in water, you fe- your whole body feels different, right? But if you put up to your knees in, it feels different, right? You feel different. The, the way your weight displaces feels different. And if you go up to your neck in water, there is pressure that you feel from the water, but your temperature will change as well too. So, um, but that's just the feeling sense. What about, and I talked a little bit about the smell, but there's, there's the way light plays on water and that it makes colors and it makes rainbows. And when you splash, it makes rainbows and different colors. So there's a whole bunch of different reasons why our kids are drawn to water. We have to stop acting like that isn't the truth. Our kids are drawn to water. And if we can retire from the debate society about that, then we can start to look at things and say, okay, so what are we going to do about this? So we put years ago when we were talking about this, um, cause I think it's the big thing that the general public doesn't understand. And, and I think even within our community, a lot of times we, this is so harsh. We don't want to look at it. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is there's a bunch of different things we could do. So we wanted to come up with something fairly easy to remember. And we came up with stop and we're going to go through each one of these things. But so the S stands for secure, the T stands for teach the O for organize and the P partner with professionals, that these are the steps that we can begin to take to, you know, that, that moment that Dr. Tarbox talked about, if your child is looking at you and saying the first opportunity I get when you are doing something else or your focus is somewhere else, or you go to the bathroom or you're cooking, I'm going to run towards water. And when we think, okay, sometimes I don't even know what, what would I do? What can I do? What, what possible thing can I make this less? And so we've, we've given you a, a list of things here. So let's start with secure. So this is about starting with your house and securing your house. If you don't already have a way that you can make sure that your child is safe within your house, it's really a day today to look at that and go, I'm going to make this a priority. And, and, and I really want to talk very seriously about this because it's not the same for all kids. Like we've had people write in before and say, my kid can get up on a chair and he can dismantle the locks on the door. Some of our kids, that's like, they're like Houdini and that's a challenge. To see five locks on the door is like, woohoo, you made my day because now I have something that I need to break out of because they love the functionality of it, right? We've had kids that have gone out windows that they've figured out how to pry out a screen because it's fascinating to them, right? Some people have found that there are those very low cost, now they're little alarm systems that you can... Um, adhere. You don't even have to put screws into things. So even if you're renting, uh, I would tell you to make sure you get one that's, I mean, they sell them really cheap now, but I think you get what you pay for kind of thing. But basically what it is, is it's two kind of, I don't, I don't know whether they're magnets or whatever, but so you put one on the, the door jam and one on the door. And when the seal between them, there's like, they talk to each other. And when it's broken, because the door is open, it sets off an alarm. Now, people go, oh, I hate it because then when I open the door to go out in the morning, the alarm goes off. Yes, it does. Um, But that's better than the alternative. That you need to have a way. And if you, you know, some people have their house wired so that they, they have a place, command central, where they can see and there's cameras and everything. If you can afford that, great, but not everybody can afford that. But there are things that are within the wheelhouse to be afforded. A lot of us really like those hotel locks. Some of our kids are so good that they can open the hotel locks. Those are the ones that's got the ball and there's the, the thing that comes out and it closes over it so that you can get the door open this much, but you can't get it further than that. Some kids can figure that out. So it's not one size fits all, but I'm telling you it's worth it to take a minute And if you have to divorce yourself from the emotions and go, 
Think of it like a game, like I'm going to win the game. How do I make it so that my child can't leave my house without me knowing? And how can I outsmart the system and my child? Okay, no, he's Houdini. He can do that. So then I got to up my game a little bit. If that helps you to deal with the emotion of it, because what you can't do is get paralyzed and say, I'm not going to do it. So securing your house. And while you're doing it, can I just take a minute to say that there are other concerns to be made sure that, you know, make sure that your hot water heater is set to a level that your child's not going to get burned if they turn on the hot water. Check all your knives. Do you have a little thing on the drawer so that they can't just open the knife drawer? You know, look at what all the the concerns are. You know, are the medicines locked up? Um, All of these things. And while you're doing that, will you please do me a favor? Because it's that time of year anyway. Please check your um, fire alarms to make sure that the batteries are still working. And you could even do a fire drill while you're doing it. These are all safety measures that it's it's incumbent upon us as parents and especially as parents of kiddos on the spectrum that every once in a while it's got to be built into the schedule that we're keeping the house safe. Don't put it off because I got to tell you one of my biggest things is I want you to be able to take care of you and we know we can't when we're worried about this kind of stuff and this is the kind of stuff that will wake you up at two o'clock in the morning and go I didn't do it yet just do it just do it just do it ask a friend to help you if you have somebody that's a handyman in the family say can you come over can I tell you what I did years ago I had a, an expert come over I traded him for a blog because I couldn't afford him but I said can you come over and make sure that my house is safe and I'll write a blog about it many many years ago before I had a show I had a blog and uh, he came over and did the whole thing. And it was fascinating because he got down on his hands and knees and crawled around the house. And he was like, oh, this is a problem. And things that I didn't even know. So do whatever you have to do to make your house secure for you. Don't go over the top. You need to make sure that there's a way to get out in case of an emergency, right? Um, but make sure that your child can't leave the house without you being aware of it. That really is key. Then you can worry about making sure that the school is aware of the fact that your child, all children that are on the spectrum are an elopement risk, even if they haven't already done it. And you want to make your school aware of and ask them how, what alarms they have, what self-closing gates, you know, who's working where, ask them what their safety protocols are. I had to do this with my son's school and everybody thought that I was being ridiculous and they upped their safety protocols because I said, I'd like to tour and see what the safety protocols are. And we walked around, this is not even funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's nervous laughter, but I walked around with the assistant superintendent and all of the self-closing gates were propped open. All of them, all of them. And I said to her, I said, I got to be honest, I'm a little disappointed in you because everybody knows how paranoid I am. And if you knew I was coming, why didn't you go come 15 minutes early, walk around and close all of them? And she said, yeah, except I did. I did do that. And I said, oh, okay. So now you understand that the problem is a problem. There's a human being that's walking around and propping all of these gates open. And she was like, yep, and I'll take care of it. And they did. And I was able to take my son to school and feel like he was safer. Yeah. You also want to make sure that your car is safe and secure, right? That, um, that your child protective locks are on, that you have a five point harness. If that's what your child needs to be sitting in the car, you want to take just a second to think about, okay, is my car safe for my child? But then next on the list is if you have a pool, And, you know, we could say that it should be the first thing on the list. Um, And I'll I'll take that argument. Um, But your pool has to be secure. And there's a bunch of different ways to do it, depending on who you are, where you live, what's comfortable for you. Here in California, a lot of people have pools and they have, um, some people have a fence around their pool. Yeah. Other people in California, there's this thing, they're, they're, they're sort of transparent um, and there are they when they do the pool, they sink little holes into the concrete around the pool, so you can put in these poles that have this secure fencing with a gate, and it takes like five seconds. You can put it up, but if you want to have 
people over for a party and you know that people are going to be outside and people are going to be watching, you could take it all down and have your open backyard. I will tell you that children die at parties with people watching because everybody's busy doing other things. It happens every day of the year. So I would caution you with that. One of the things that I super love that no one who has a pool loves, but if we're if our goal is to be safe, they have water displacement um, alarms for a pool. And so, and you can set it, they're very sensitive. You can set it to a certain weight and this is key. And a lot of people don't take the time to do this. So a leaf will fall in the pool and the alarm goes off at two o'clock in the morning and everybody's unhappy with it and they turn it off. Don't do that. Um, but basically there's a way that you can take a jug of water and you want to think about having, you know, having something that weighs more than a pound, um, but would definitely set it off if a child fell in the pool. And that alarm has saved many lives. And, and I'm going to talk to you in a second about how you not only want your pool to be secure, but you're going to want all of the nearby water sources to be secure as well. You really need to think about what is close by water-wise. You know, if you have a pool in your backyard, you're going to take responsibility for that. But what if the neighbor three houses down has a pool and they never lock their gate and they don't have a fence around their pool and they don't have a water displacement thing around their pool? Um, We're going to talk about having a conversation with them and some things that you might be able to do. But... If you can keep your child safe and in your yard, then we don't have to worry about that pool down down the way. I still would worry about it a little bit, but you know what I'm saying? Frontline defense first. Um, but if if you have any control, some people live near a pond. Uh, you know, you can be looking at that and going, okay, what do I need to do to make this place safe for my child? And if you find that you can't, then you go back to how do I keep them safe at home and not there, right? We want to secure as much as we possibly can. This isn't about making yourself crazy. It's about taking control of what is within your control. And your pool and your backyard is absolutely within your control. Uh, maybe the pond that's half a mile away is not within your control, but making sure that your child can't get out of the house to get there much more in your control. Okay. So now, you know, once we've secured things, we definitely want to teach and there's a bunch of things. This is not just one thing that, you know, it is super imperative that all of our kids learn how to swim. And I know already there's some people who are like, oh, but they're so fascinated with the water, then they're going to want to be in the water all the time. You know, I think there is a risk for that, but I think that's looking at it the wrong way. We know that our kids are attracted to water and water is in a lot of different places. And if they knew how to keep themselves alive while they were in the water for two minutes or three minutes, it could make the difference of you getting there and getting them out of the water. So that's why I think it's super important. We've had lots of experts here on the show talking about how imperative it is to get kiddos on the spectrum swimming lessons. And it's everything, right? You want to make sure that they know how to float. One of the things that I love is that there's a bunch of swimming teachers that they start very young with babies and they teach them how to swim in their clothes with their shoes on. And what they teach them is how to, when you're in the water, how to get on your back and float with your clothes on, with your shoes on. Now think about why, because that is life-saving. If they know how to do that, first of all, that's a very beginning swimming thing. And it's that, that's really comes to the core of saving the life. If they can get themselves over onto their back. They can continue breathing and that buys you time. And this is about minutes saving a life, right? The next thing that they will teach them is how to swim to the edge. Also super important, right? Um, And then they can fine tune all kinds of skills after that, but swimming and them knowing those things, how to get on their back, and, and float and how to swim to the edge, critical for our kids to know how to do. We also, though, need to teach them how to wait, that sometimes their desire to get in the water or to get someplace else 
is so great that they cannot wait for you and they will leave. I think about my son. Um, I, I see, we're going to talk, let's talk about Life Fest too. I, I remember a time when uh, it was a very busy day. My son had therapy in the morning at our house and then it was time for lunch. And I was a little bit behind schedule and I needed to get the lunch made and I was on the phone with someone. So I was distracted, distracted, distracted. And I had the five locks on the door and the hotel lock and my, the therapist, therapist left and my son um, kept saying picnic, picnic, picnic. And he had this little poo hut thing that was a pop-up tent that sometimes we would go and have a picnic for lunch to just shake it up because then he was going to have another therapy session afterwards. He was probably three and a half at this point. And he was saying, pick, pin it, pin it, which was picnic, right? And, and I said, yes, yes, we'll go on a picnic. And I was saying to the person, I got to go because I got to get lunch and he wants to have a picnic outside. And I heard, you know how it's like you're busy, you're doing a lot of different things. And I was saying goodbye to the friend and I heard a noise and my brain heard the noise and I couldn't quite figure out what the noise was. And then I realized what the noise was. The noise was that I was hearing traffic down at the street. We were in a condo and you had to go all the way down. But once you went down, there were cars that went by, right? And, um, and there were pools everywhere too. And the condo, um, thing that, you know, they were fenced in, but it was with pole pipe things that he could shimmy up and go over. So, but I heard the noise of traffic outside and I was like, something is wrong. And I went running over to the door and he had pulled up his little yellow chair that he sat at his table with and he'd gotten on the chair and he'd opened the hotel lock, which I didn't think he could do. So clever. And, and I screamed, dropped the phone, ran down the stairs, down to the sidewalk. And I saw him running towards the street And I mean, we were seconds away from him likely being hit by a car. And I said, stop. And we had worked on stop, which is part of working on waiting, right? And my son stopped where he was because he heard me and he turned around and he had his little poo hut with him because he was going on the picnic. You know what I'm saying? So we need to teach our children how to wait. We need to teach them the rules around leaving. That this is, we used to say to my son, this is my door and these are my locks and you don't open them without asking me. And in the beginning, like he didn't care about that. As far as he was concerned, it was his door, his locks, he was going, right? But what we taught him was if you wait and you ask mom, mom will open and she will go with you and you will have the picnic with the poo hut, right? But that you don't get to if you try to get out by yourself. And we had to teach him the rules around leaving and that there was a benefit for him to ask that if we were in the grocery store and he wanted to go look at something else, that he couldn't just walk away from me. He had to be taught that, you know, he would say or sign or whatever, or push a button on an iPad, however our kids communicate and say, I want to look at toys. And whenever he would ask me, I would say, I would leave everything. I need to do the grocery shopping, but let's go look at the toys. Right. So that he learned, I, here are the rules. I ask, and then I have the opportunity to do it, but sometimes I have to wait right? We also want to teach children the rules around water, that you don't go in the water without somebody else, that that's not allowed, that you have to wait. And there are a whole bunch of other rules around water. Like we don't splash other kids in the face, right? These are all good rules for them to learn that are going to help to keep them safe. But at the base of all of it is those ground rules that in the, like, Maybe it will prevent them for three minutes before getting in the water, which gets you time to get there. It is seconds can save a life at this point. Uh, We want to teach them how to ask for help, how to interrupt and ask for help, right? We want to teach them self-regulation because sometimes the kids are running away from something like a loud noise or something, and they run to the water because it's the thing that's going to calm them down. So we teach them self-regulation and self-soothing along with a million other lessons. But we can't take this attitude of, well, these numbers are so scary. We're just going to hope for the best, right? No, we're going to be proactive. We're going to secure things. And then we're going to teach a buttload of things because this teaching is how we get from this fear-based, oh no, what if this happens to being at a place where your child is older and 
they understand the rules and they're going to be much safer. So uh, really important to teach. Now, somebody wrote in and said, consider investing in a life vest. And I will tell you that I'm not opposed to this. Um, and I was all about the floaties. If we went to the swimming pool, my kid had a uh, set of floaties on. And I have had swimming experts on the show many times. And they're like, this is the wrong thing. This is the wrong message. This is the wrong thing. Now, I'm coming from a place of I'm not a good swimmer. That if something was happening and my child was struggling in the water, I might be able to save my child, but I'm not a proficient swimmer. And I'm a little afraid of the water. So that's why I did the, the floaties. But what I know they would want me to say to you is that nine times out of 10, when these kids are drowning, it's because they eloped. They ran away from their school. They ran away from their home. They ran away from while they were walking, whatever. And it's not a circumstance in which you would, you know, you're not going to put a life vest on your child 24-7, right? And so they say that that sort of comfort around, well, we have a life vest, often teaches all of you not to do the rest of these things. And that's a recipe for disaster. So I'm going to say to you, if you're going out on a boat, yes, have the life vest, right? If you're going in the pool and you don't swim well and there's not somebody there who does swim swim well, yes, life vest. But it's not a recipe for making sure that our kids don't die because the circumstances from which they find themselves in water are almost never ones where a life vest would have been in play. Does that make sense? I hope so. Uh, okay. So that's teach. Then the next one is organizing. It's really important that we not try to do this by ourselves. This is you talk to friends, family, and anyone on your team that, um, is going to be interacting with your kiddo and talk about water safety and talk about elopement and talk about your kid. Talk about your kid and and the kinds of things that set them off. I always think about um, Romario Snow, who, amazing young man, who has this, uh, he has a very hard time sensory-wise with any kind of violence. He's a distance runner. He loves to run, and he has minimal spoken communication. Um, So intelligent, so kind, one of the nicest, sweetest people on the face of the earth. And and yet, you know, speaking is not his thing. He can can minimally uh, converse with people, but really not enough to support his needs. And so when he gets, is in a circumstance where something is happening and there's violence that's happening, because he's a distance runner, his instinct is to run and he will run and run and run. He runs marathons for goodness sake. He can run for six hours without stopping and he wants to get away from that violence. So twice we've had the circumstance where Romario, once he was in a store with his mom and she had twin little girls in her stroller and there was a television in the store that had you know, somebody punching somebody like playing on a movie. And she was saying to the shop owner, can you please turn that off? And it didn't happen quick enough. And so Romario just, he ran out the store and she was trying to get the stroller out and he was missing for 27 days. Unfortunately, you know, his mom was able to find him on day 28 and he was injured and had a whole lot of things going on, but he was alive. You know what I'm saying? And then again, he went missing for a 24 hour period after he ran the Los Angeles marathon. We were all, by that point, we knew Romario and his family so well. I mean, my family was out walking the pier, handing out um, missing posters. It was that personal to our family. And fortunately, he was found. After 24 hours, uh, a park person found him on a bench and recognized him, and he was okay. But my point is, his mom goes around and tells everybody, if you're going to run with Romario, if you're going to walk with Romario, if you're going to go to a restaurant with Romario, if you're going to, you know do anything with Romario, you need to know this about him. If people are engaging in violence around him, your first thing is make sure that Romario doesn't run. You got to talk him down. You got to have a conversation so that he doesn't do it. 
kids have all kinds of reasons why they will leave the you know the story of the the little kid who two houses down they had puppies and mom they you know the people said does he want to come see the puppies they went and saw the puppies and this was a a little customer who was nonverbal and all he wanted to do was see the puppies but he didn't have a way to ask for the puppies and he loved animals and so mom turned her back for a second and he went to look for the puppies he didn't really know which house it was in but he knew that the puppies were somewhere and, you know, and then now the child sees a lake, bad stuff happens, right? So we talk to friends, family, and anyone on your team about the risk and how we're mitigating it and tell them the rules that you're teaching your child and tell them, here's what we have in place, safety at home. Here's what we're doing. Here's why. Share the statistics with them about that it's the number one cause of death. I know it feels dramatic, But anytime I explain this to people who are outside autism, they go, I had no idea. Why aren't we doing more about that? Why why isn't everybody aware of that? And it's because it's an icky thing. Nobody wants to talk about it and we feel powerless. Let's take some of our power back. Let's have conversations. So talk to members of your your neighbors and members of your community. If you've got a neighbor who's got a pool three houses down, I think it's worthwhile to go have a conversation and say, is there like, can I just like, is there a way that my child can get in your backyard? Can I, can I help you to buy a thing that, you know, displaces water and sets off an alarm? Um, I think you'll find that some neighbors are going to be butts about it and be like my pool, my rules, whatever. Um, and then you just got to be extra careful and teach your child. You don't go there ever. Um, right. But I think you'll find that there are other neighbors who will go, oh my gosh, I don't want to wake up to have a dead child in my pool. I think I'm going to work with you on this, right? I hope you all have neighbors who are going to care about your child. But I do think it's important that you need to organize an emergency plan. It's terrible. It's the unthinkable, right? But what happens if your child goes missing? And, and really, you want to be thinking of two things out the gate, like where could your child be that they would be in danger of being hit by a car? Because that's the number two reason why children on the spectrum die. Um, so, you know, is there some place that they could be hit by a car, but where is the closest body of water? And... You know, I encourage you to, uh, we're going to talk about this in a second, but talking about with your um, first responders and have them be a part of your emergency plan. But um, there are QR codes and tracking devices that can help you. So we love the folks over at If I Need Help. You can go to ifineedhelp.org and they make QR codes that are specific to your child. And you can get them, they, they can go on shoe tags, you can iron them onto clothes, they can, uh, they can, there are necklaces that they can go on, everything under the sun, they can put the QR code that's for your child. Now, if your child, go- yeah, we're going to get to that in a second, thank you. Um, if your child goes missing, there, the thing about these that I think is really amazing is that sometimes people will find your child and do, and then you get reunited with your child that much faster. Right. But also the thing that I think is super great about it is that if somebody were, if you or somebody else, (coughs) excuse me, scans that code, there's a bunch of information there that's really helpful. So if the unthinkable were to happen and your child goes missing and you immediately have your plan and you head towards the water and somebody else heads towards the highway that you're going to, you know, look for your child and you, you've taken your phone with you and you're 911 ing The first thing that emergency is going to want to know is everything about your child. And that is not the moment where you want to be finding a picture for your child, where you want to be explaining, you know, but it's all there with that QR code that you can say, here's the thing, I'm sending it over to you, or, you know, here's the number, whatever it is, and that they have all that information. I think that that's super important and helpful. Um, Tracking devices, too, if you can afford them or if your insurance will cover them, sometimes your state will cover them. I believe in New York State that they're covered because that was part of Avante's law after Avante went missing and was found drowned. Um, You know, that there are lots of feelings and emotions about this, but I, I think 
it's so important that we keep our kids safe and that there, is, there are many different tracking devices and they run on different things. Some of them are satellites, some of them aren't. Do your research to find the one that works for you and your life and your child. Some of them are a bracelet or a, um, an ankle thing that people in the community get fatutsed about and say that it's, you know, uh, inhumane. They, it doesn't have to be. It can be, it, they look like a watch, right? Um, whatever works for you, but find something if you're afraid that your child will run. Uh, okay. And I, I got to pause for a second because we've talked about really hard things. I want you to see something really fun that kind of goes along with this because we're getting ready to do the All Ghouls Gala, which is a fundraiser for Autism Care Today. And one of the things that they give grants for are these kinds of things for tracking devices, for ABA to teach a child the rules, for swimming lessons, for all of these things. So uh, let's take a second and look at something fun talking about the All Ghouls Gala, and I'll be right back in a minute. You are invited to a frightfully fun evening at the first annual All Ghouls Gala. <laughs> Eat, drink, and be scary at an exclusive venue in Woodland Hills, California on Saturday, October 29th, 2022. <laughs> Join us, if you dare, from 6 p.m. until death do us party. <laughs> Dress to kill. Devilish prizes will be awarded during a spectacular costume contest. Tickets to this exclusive event are available now at Eventbrite. But they won't last long. Will you? <laughs> Proceeds from the event benefit autism care today. So get your scare on. There we go. Uh, I'm just saying, very proud of that because that's my husband underneath all of that uh, prosthetic, and my son uh, edited the video together. So, very proud family project. Please join us at the All Ghouls Gala. I'm actually, if you're going to be in the area, and it is a pretty hefty ticket price um, to go because raising money for these kinds of things. But I need a team of volunteers. And so if you're going to be in the area and you'd like to come to the event and you can't afford the ticket price, come be one of my volunteers and then you're at the party regardless. I hope you'll reach out to me to do that. Uh, okay, so last on our list is partner with professionals. I think that it's super important to get to know the first responders in your area. And um, I think that it's a great idea to take your child, regardless of their age, and ask if you can come over. Usually they'll say, you know, you can come over, but if an emergency happens, we might ask you to leave, right? But I would call them, and I did this uh, with my son, I would call them and let them know what your circumstances and why you want them to come and meet. A lot of times kids are afraid of police and firefighters and will run from them. So we specifically asked that we wanted him to come over and get to know them so that he wouldn't be afraid of first responders. Now, we also taught my son that if somebody came up to him in a police uh, uniform or a firefighter's uniform and said, I want you to come with me, that he could ask to see their badge and to hold their badge and that badges need to be heavy, that fake badges are light. And he was taught that if a policeman asks for you to go with him, ask to hold his badge and that they will let you. And if he doesn't let you see or hold his badge, then he's not real. And if his badge isn't heavy, then he's not real. So we taught that to my son. Um, but I think that when you go to the police station or the, and or, and I recommend both, the, the fire station and have them practice that. Say, are you a real fireman? And, um, you know, sign or whatever to ask to see the badge. I'll tell you what that does. It helps the police officers to know that 
you know, how to communicate with your child and to have common ground. And it helps your child to not be afraid of these individuals if they need them in the moment. And I, I guarantee you that if you go and, and they get to know your child, then if you ever have to be the person that calls and says, I need help right now, you're that much further ahead of the game because they're already, somebody on that team already knows your child. I think it's a really worthwhile thing to do. I also think it's worthwhile to get to know your school officials. And I mean up the chain. You need to know who your superintendent of schools is. You need to know who your vice principal and principals are. Get to know them and get on the good side of them and partner with them to keep all kids safe. Will you get a reputation as being a bit of a pain in the you-know-what? Probably. It's okay. I know that for my son's uh, school district that I made inroads. I was not well-liked. I can live with that, but I know that kids were safer because I brought up concerns that maybe other parents didn't know or didn't feel empowered to bring up. I think it's important that we talk about these things with the professionals and not leave them out. Of course, it's important to talk about it with your ABA team. I hope that you have a good ABA team and that they're talking already with you about safety issues, but have that conversation. There wasn't anybody that came in my house that we didn't have a conversation about safety um, because it's important. It's like job one to keep our kids safe. And then last but certainly not least on my list, and you guys might want to add things to this, but what about the swimming team? teachers. More and more teachers are getting certified and accredited to be able to teach kids on the autism spectrum. But if your teacher isn't, if your swimming teacher isn't, don't be dismayed because it may be that they're about to become someone who would want to have that, right? But have a conversation with them about swimming for autism. There are books that are out there. There's trainings that are available. There's certifications that are available. And we know that it's beneficial to save lives, but also to teach a skill that it helps self-regulate and is a lifelong leader your skill that's very pleasurable and enjoyable. So have conversations with them about your concerns uh, for because everybody is different, right? But do have the conversation, partner with these people to be a part of your network to keep your child safe, as safe as possible, because that's really what this is all about. So here's the, the things that I want to ask you is what can you do today? I threw a lot of stuff at you. And some of it you might be like, no, no, we've already done that. Or I, what I'm asking you right now is what can you do today? From all the things that I said, what kind of nudged you? Uh, and can you do it today? Because it's so important, the fear will paralyze us. And it makes us go, I don't want to deal with that, so I'll deal with that another day. But that is not the right tactic when we're talking about water safety. This is the kind of thing that you are going to work on for a couple of years and you're going to keep manipulating it and working on it to make sure that your kiddo is safe because we cannot ignore this. The statistics are there and it breaks my heart on a regular basis when I turn on the news and I see another kid with autism who's missing and then we wait. And just last week we horrible tragedy, the unthinkable. And there is a parent there today who is, who feels like it is their fault. It isn't, it isn't their fault, but I know that they're wishing that they could go back and do a do over and do more. And so I'm telling you, here's a bunch of things that you can do that are, are reasonable and you can do. And if you say to me, well, I can't afford the tracking device. I can't even afford the locks. I will tell you that there's an amazing organization called ACT Today. And you can go to act-today.org. And one of the things that they do is fund those kinds of requests for families, even including um, money towards fencing. Fencing is very expensive, but they have funded fences before for families that had no other way to keep their child safe. So I, I'm, I'm sending you guys love. Please, please, please don't ignore this. Please do one thing today. And I'm going to challenge you, do the thing that scares you the most, the thing that you're like, oh, I really don't want to look at that because often that's putting an alarm on your pool. 
and, and make the people who install it work with you until it works right for you. Because people go, oh, well, you know, a squirrel went in the water. And uh, so I don't, uh, you know, it woke us up at two o'clock in the morning. So we're giving up on it. No. Remember what Dr. Jonathan Tarbox said. If your child could look at you right now and had the ability to use all of their words, and they were able to say to you, the first opportunity I get, I'm going to run towards the water. What measures would you take? What wouldn't you do to keep them safe? And let's just do that. Do that and do everything that we can because our kids are the most precious thing, right? All right. We are back tomorrow with the fabulous Dr. Doreen, and she is going to be here live answering your questions. I hope that if you have questions, you'll go ahead and write them in now. I want to say I am Angel. Uh, I I see what you say, school discipline for children on the autism spectrum. This is a worthy topic to discuss. Many children are being punished for their behavior that's directly associated with the characteristics of autism. Yes. We will put that into the rotation for a parent-to-parent discussion, and we'll do that on another day. Thank you so much. I'm sending hugs to everybody. We got through it. We talked through the water safety thing. It's hard, but I, I hope that it will help you to do proactive things, okay? Much love to you. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.